What's going on, young world? You are now rocking with the Now or Never podcast, the intersection of business, faith, and culture. This week's guest is none other than Steve Shaparo, um, a thought uh, thought leader. Uh, architectural design is his background, uh, but now it's going into more cultural design, and I'll let him speak to that a little bit. But uh, Steve Shaparo, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, how you doing? How's Thanks, your man. how's your how's your afternoon been? It's been good. It's been good. It's been busy. It this has actually given me a little bit of a break to have a chat. And so you're gonna let me do all the work. Yeah, <laughs> do all the work. Um, Want to thank you for for thank you. you know being on the podcast and um, you know I have the opportunity and the privilege of getting to know you and per, like personal friendship. Yeah. Um, but part of this pro- podcast was you know I wanted to give our listeners. Um, a little insight about Steve Shaparo. You know, um, we think you know thought leader, business coach, all these different titles. Um, but talk to us a little bit more about your upbringing. How do, how does that play into your life now? Yeah. Um, where were you born and raised? Like let, let's let's go back there. Yeah. So I was born in Chicago. So I'm a Midwest boy. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So I <laughs> I kind of went around uh, sort of the Chicagoland area up into Wisconsin for the first five years. My dad was a pastor, so would move around to the different assignments that he had. Then when I was five, we moved to Michigan. Um, and so from the ages of five to 15, that's where we lived. So basically, that's where I grew up in Michigan. Again, different cities. Um, being that my dad was a pastor, we were not in one place for very long. Um, I lost count at uh, living in 35 different houses. 30, seriously, yeah. hold up, 35 different 35, houses. I lost count after that. So 35 different houses, and many, I went to nine different it? schools. How long was that time frame? Sorry. Well, probably, uh, I, I would say, I don't know where, where 35 left off, uh, because when we moved to California when I was 15, um, the the move around still continued, but it was in the Inland Empire of California. Or was he California. an evangelist? Like, it, was this? So this? no, it, it just uh, you know he was a, a, a his his sort of ministry was that he would take on assignments to go to a church for say three years. Um, he would help it restabilize, uh, or he would bridge a transition that they were under, and then. Once it was stabilized in growth, he would uh, be assigned to a different, a different, different church. So he wasn't an evangelist. He was definitely more of a teacher. Um, was bivocational, so always had a full-time job outside of that. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was uh, actually for me. I I don't know if it just messed with my personality. Um, I didn't mind moving around so much. Um, it's your personality. <laughs> it, it it was just part of it helped shape. Uh, the way I kind of view the world um, and uh, how I deal with with change, frankly, how I thrive on change. So um, yeah, it was it was a good 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 upbringing. So we moved out here to California when I was 15. That was almost uh, well, over 30 years ago now. Okay. Do the math. Um, and been in Southern California ever since. So you you know you talking about like how you've gone to and from the Midwest to Michigan to California, and you've lost count 35, yeah. right? Uh, but you did use a word. You said you somewhat drive, thrive on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think different people will respond to that instability in different ways. Yeah. I know that I responded to it differently than even my sisters. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think I had some things that were to my advantage that helped me make that transition a little bit easier in that I was in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd moved to a new school and I joined football, basketball, and baseball team and I had immediate friends. So I, I didn't have a problem making friends necessarily because I, I could run with a new crew wherever I went because I just joined a team. So it sounds like you had a lot of uh, adaptability. Yeah, and I think, I think part of it is my personality. Um, I, I do love new things. Yeah. I do love new environments. I do love learning about how the, not so much how the game is played, but like to just survey the land, meaning people and, and see where I fit in. And it's, I don't think it was necessarily me losing who I was at all. I, I think it was uh, how, how, do, how can I contribute? to wherever I went. So you're you know, talking about how you can contribute to wherever you went. How did the contributions of, I don't say contributions, but the influences of your father in ministry, how did that contribute to your life? Like, you know, we talked about moving around, but yeah. faith, how did that contribute? Oh, it was huge, it was huge. I, I would say that the church environment that I grew up in that my dad was a pastor in, so he was somewhat shaped himself by the environment that we were in, being part of a, a large uh, um, fellowship that was nationwide, in fact, worldwide. Um, I, I mean, I, I remember uh, from my earliest, my, my earliest memory was actually being four years old at this large uh, evangelistic crusade, and a lot of the, the big names in our fellowship came, and I remember my first interactions with a lot of them. I remember my first time uh, really feeling like I had connected with God in a very spiritual way was at the age of four. Um, in some cases, maybe I was mimicking uh, the men that I saw. Of course. Um, but there was a, a, a model for me. There was like an aspiration, like these are men that, that I respect. Mm. These are men that um, I want to be like them. You know, and I don't, I don't know that I necessarily knew why, but there was a deep sense of respect. Um, that I saw, and my dad, uh, my dad shaped me more than he knows, and I try to tell him as much as I can. But uh, his his love for people, um, his love to come alongside people, his love to make them feel comfortable, um, his his love for teaching, his love for communication. I mean, for for me, my me as a speaker right now, there are a lot of lessons that still ring in my ears uh, about things that he said to me. Things like connect with the audience, make sure you're, you're, you're looking at them in the eyes. Uh, even if you're you know, leading worship or you're, you're in a band in front of people, if you're not connecting with them through your eyes, you're off in your own world. Yeah. And you're just a performer. Um, performers don't always uh, connect with people. Um, well, some people might have a difference of opinion about that, but um, and so that w- there was a ton of, of 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 influence that he had. Now, I would say that for the first, um, so I don't know if being that this is kind of at the intersection of faith, culture, and business, you know, our audience is probably going to understand that. Um, for me, I was baptized at the age of ten, fully my decision, my first really in- one of my first really encounters with God. Um, but it wasn't until the age of 15 that I actually um, adopted this faith as my own, as opposed to the faith of my parents. 
So I would say for the, you know, between the ages of 10 and 15, uh, I was shaped by the faith of my parents. But at the age of 15, I adopted this as my own. And I remember, you know, all through the high school years and even through college years, I had uh, professors that would challenge me and say, no, you need to believe on your own. You need to challenge your beliefs. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, this is my choice. Like, I have chosen this. I have had multiple opportunities to reject it. And this is my faith, and I've adopted it. This is my own. So in, in choosing that and being challenged, how do you take that now into, you know, post-adolescence, right? So now you're, you're in, a, in a career world. And talk to us a little bit about what your career looks like. Because I, I know you post-30-ish. Yeah. You know, I, I've come into a friendship with you last seven years. Um, but prior to that, you know, I hear a lot of different things about what Steve <laughs> is, what Steve does, yeah, what, it's, you know what I mean? Um, but you're good at all of them, and, or you're good at a lot of them. And, um, you know, I got to I gotta believe that, you know, your, your father was a teacher, you know, and I see a lot of resemblance in who you are, you know, in your teaching ability. Um, whether it's performative or not, I, I don't believe it's performative. I think mm -hmm. you really do connect with an authenticity. But talk to us a little bit about what your career was like. What, you know, what yeah. does that look like? Well, I mean, I, I can go back to uh, when I was 15, uh -huh. and we had an assignment in, in high school my freshman year. Okay, just pick a career, pick some type of vocation, and write a paper about it. I don't know what it was, but I chose architect, mm -hmm. an architect to write about. So I did my research. Um, that was in my ninth grade year in Michigan. I came back, I came over to California. In my 10th grade year, I did more research with my new counselor. And I decided at 10th grade, this is what I want to do. I, I, it, it inspires me. There's something, I don't know what it was. I mean, I, I didn't have words for it. And, but uh, so I chose by that time to go to architecture school. So I went to architecture school here in LA fight on. Uh, and uh, I went to the five-year program, and, and I remember, like I was talking with my son the other day, they told us the first day of that program, one in ten of you will finish this program. Wow. It's that hard. Literally, after that day, some people just said, you know what, So I'm what out. did you think, what did you think about when you heard oh, that? Like, I, I'm like, bring it on. Like, okay. I, 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 like, he's like, you couldn't have, you, you couldn't have made me want this even more. Yeah. Like that did not dissuade me. It actually made me made me want it more. Yeah, prove you wrong, right? Like, well, it's you. not even. Uh, it could be a part of it. Prove you wrong, but it's like, for me, I love mountain peaks. Okay. Okay. I'm. I would say that I'm addicted to climbing mountains. So the hard work. It's it's hard work. Is it the process that you're addicted it, to, is, or is, is it the, I love the, the challenge? The achievement. I love the challenge. I love the achievement. Uh, fact, to the point. But the thing is, I don't rest in those achievements. Got it. Like I, like literally, let's let just use. Do you find new mountains to climb? Yeah, exactly. It's it's literally, if I were to climb a mountain, I'd, I'd spend like five minutes, just like, dude, that is awesome. All right, what's the next? So mountain? let me ask you this. So with that, like, is there a downfall to that or a of downside? Course, of course. What what have you experienced? Yeah, I mean, my my sisters even told me because I was a a, a high or a church junior high pastor and. My sisters actually were with me on that team. And we would, you know, have some great successes, great moments. And I was like, okay, but we got to do it better. We got to yeah, yeah. do it, the, you know, at the next event. 
And they told me even way back then, Steve, you got to like just enjoy the moment, like enjoy what has been accomplished. So I'm not even sure it's about the accomplishment as it is getting over the hump. And then, and then, you know, it's like, it's like pushing yourself or the organization beyond its, its, its former limits. For me, it's about growth. It's about challenge. It's about transformation. Like if I can't see progress, if I can't see transformation in anything that I do, I, it's very hard for me to pay attention, yeah. uh, to, to stay involved, to stay passionate. I'm driven by passion. I'm driven by growth. Uh, and absolutely, that has a lot of downfall to that, or at least there's a downside to that, rather. Mm -hmm. So what I, you know, the, the key thing that stood out for me was that transformative, and it sounds like your life, or just being on the outside looking in, has been a transformative experience through every step of the way. Um, you know, we look at, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but we look at 2020, very transformative yeah. in, in many ways. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your family. You know, you got you got you got a wife. You got two kids. Yeah. You know, you, you're coming from a largely ministerial family. You, you're getting married. You know, you're going through you know the USC program. How has your family adapted to Steve? <laughs> well, uh, I think it's been a two-way adaptation because there's, I think I think early on in in my marriage, I think early on in any marriage. I think any one of the spouses will say, Lord, can you please change her or him to be more like me? That's the wrong prayer. Uh, and it's even wrong to say, Lord, change me to be like them. Yeah. I think, I, and so it's, it's really, I think, uh, and, I, and I've, I've learned that the hard way because um, I think we've had some really frank conversations and I have been not just accused, but I've actually been the bully in my marriage. Yeah. Where I am so determined, I'm going to conquer that hill, I'm going to start that business, I'm going to do whatever, I'm going to do it. Like, that's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm so passionate about this, this would make me really happy, and, and her just giving in because she doesn't want to disappoint the bear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so um, I've, I've had to learn that sometimes people will give in, not because they agree, but because they just don't want to deal with you. And, and, and so I've had to learn that it's not about her aligning to me or me aligning to her. It's about us aligning with him yeah. and then us living a, a life in a marriage that is thriving. So um, it's, it's tough. It's tough as you, as you figuring stuff out about yourself about your spouse and how it how it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, I could even say in my own personal life, it's been a roller coaster with family because I I am a, you know we talk a lot about the enneagrams right and yeah. the and I'm an enneagram three and it's an achiever, so I achieve one thing and I'm off to the next. Okay, yeah. what can I achieve? And unfortunately, there's a sense of value there that that's tied into it, um, which I you know some things I don't like about myself and. I kind of put my, um, you know, I, I can self-disclose with you, like, or with the audience, obviously. <laughs> uh, you put your you put your family on autopilot, hoping they don't crash. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, a lot of times we've gotten into some accidents. You know what I mean? So I can imagine going through your trajectory of who you are. You know, mountaintops and peaks. Um, it it could be it could be hurtful at times. You know, and. and 
How does how does Steve reconcile that through through the years? Yeah, uh, I would say so. Part of this has been like uh, some really hard realizations, uh, really tough conversations. Um, I have a friend I keep talking about him, Samsung. Sam, I'm going to talk about you again. Uh, we had a conversation, uh, and he was asking. We were talking about just our dreams of life, and you know, he he and I are we're very similar. And, and you, when you find somebody that thinks like you, that pains like you, uh, you're like immediate friends. Yeah. And so we were actually working together at that time, and uh, he asked me, Steve, like, what is it that you desire most for others? For me, the answer was immediate. Oh, I want to help people undergo transformation. And he, and he looked at me and he says, have you found that for yourself? Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's how I felt. It's Man, like, oh, it wow. was like, that's I don't a, know if it was a knife, a, 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 a hot branding <laughs> iron, a bat, but like, oh, dude, like, like, so I realized in that moment that, and it's, I think it's a universal truth, that that which you desire most for others or that you desire to do for others yeah. is that which you also desire for yourself. And for me, transformation is what it's about. And it, it was literally, I needed to have that conversation at that moment in time because a couple of months later, I was going to get laid off. Yeah. And the work that I thought I was going to do for others, I had to do for myself first. Yeah. And it was uh, some really hard realizations. I, I, I remember sending out like a list of questions to 10 of my closest friends and family and asking them some really tough questions. You know, like, what, what do you see that I'm good at? What's one thing I need to work on? What's, what's a skill that I take for granted? All these other things. And on one hand, it was very affirming. On the other hand, it was a gut check. I, I, I tell people that I was literally sick to my stomach for two weeks <laughs> because I had to face some of those ugly truths. So how long ago was this? I'd say it was probably around the time that we met. About seven years ago. Cause I, I Actually, know, it was a little bit after. Was, after, because we were, yeah. we were talking because you just brought up about being laid off. Yeah. So I, I remember being in that season of your life. Yeah. So you're walking through all this, right? You, you, you're, you graduate, you know, let's go back. You, you know, you have the experience as being, you know, a PK. You go through USC, the architectural design. You're getting married during the season. Um, and now you're fast forward, and I know you used to live in Rancho. Mm -hmm. um, you're over here in Long Beach, good old yeah. LB to the, <laughs> you know. Now we get down. Um, so you're here in Long Beach, you know, it's got an energy, yeah. unmatched energy of culture and just a lot of things that you, me and you can identify with. Um, so you're going through all these things. Do you have a mentor? Is there somebody That's that you talk That's a good question. Um, I think I've had unofficial mentors. Um, I've had people that have played important roles in my life. Uh, it wasn't necessarily like, hey, I'm, uh, you know, hey, can you be my mentor? Can you do this? There was a time, though, that I was probably uh, uh, upset with a certain individual that I really looked up to and that, that I hoped through osmosis that he would understand that I really wanted him to mentor me in ministry. And I, and I held a little bit of a grudge. Um, and I think it was a little bit of an unfair expectation. 
and, and actually there was a pastor here, Bill White here in, in Long Beach, when I had, I was sharing this conversation with him and he says, you know, it's kind of unfair to expect that one person would be the end all mentor yeah. to you. He says, what I would suggest that you think about, and it was a book that he, I forget the name of the book, but the concept was that you seek a constellation of mentors, that, you, that, it's, a, that it's a group of people, that each one of them will play a different type of role in your life. It might be a business coach, it might be a health trainer, it might be a spiritual director, it might be a pastor, it might be accountability partner, all of these people in your life so that you're constantly looking for people that can help you, but also that you can help them. Yeah. And I think it, 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 it kind of, um, uh, it kind of puts the pressure off of trying to find that one magic mentor. Yeah. Um, but I think I definitely could have some mentors that are a little bit more official. You know, I, I can attest to that because I actually I had lunch with one of my pastors two months ago, a month and a half ago, and he made the same recommendation of having mentors at, like in different layers, like yeah. or, or unofficial mentors, but people you can go to for certain things and, you know, people you can just dump on. Um, but and, and, you know, not not in a not in a toxic way, but yeah. stuff that you can just let out on. And then some that you can go to when you needed spiritual guidance. And yeah. then uh, another person that you can just talk business and sports with. Yeah. Um, so I'm a firm believer in that. And, you know, I, just thinking about like your trajectory, it's, it, it's interesting to hear that you, to hear you say that, that it needed, you know, because I think we've all done that, right? Or some of us have done that where we place unrealistic yeah. expectations on people. Yeah. And I think, I think that that goes for any type of relationship, whether it's a mentor type of relationship, a friend, a spouse. Oh, like, we do that all the time. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I remember, you know, in, in counseling a young man before, he, he, he had come to us because his, his girlfriend had stepped out on him. And a few months later, he found another he was in another relationship and he was over the moon and he said man this girl's everything to me like like the whole jerry Maguire, she completes me and i had to stop him right there and i said bro there is no one single person no spouse yeah that will complete you that will be everything you need because if you think that they are you've placed you've placed them on a on a pedestal of a god yeah and and they're prone to uh disappoint you unfortunately that girl stepped out on him as well oh, and it crushed him but it was because frankly it's the idolatry of 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 people sometimes yeah that we can put people up there you know we have all these expectations and um people are going to fail other people including we're going to fail we're going to fail people um so go so going through all this and um talking about your mentorship and you know, or mentors, mentees. Where where is Steve at now in his career? I think we 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 progressed there. Where, what is Steve doing now, or what has he done in the yeah. last couple of years? So I mean, my last former role was at an architecture firm, and I had actually started my career in architecture, and then like uh, 15 years later, came back to it after having been uh, away for 10 years. Um, and then I realized that uh, I wanted to use those those skill sets to help organizations actually design their their culture and the way they operate it. 
Uh, Winston Churchill has my favorite quote. He says, we shape our buildings thereafter, they shape us. So I wanted to do for architecture, well, do for companies what I used to do for, for buildings. And that is to shape organizations that um, begin to shape the people that work in them. Um, so that's what I do now, although 2020 has been an interesting year. 2020, um, man. <laughs> so, so between culture design and keynote speaking, and I have a podcast of my own. Uh, those What's are the name of your podcast? Things. We've got to give culture it a Culture Design Show. The culture Design Show. We can find that on all the platforms? Yep. Yeah. Dope. Dope. You know, we talk about 2020, right? It's like, it's like a cuss word around here. Like, we've literally I've had a couple of interviews today, and... Um, when we get to the 2020, it was like, yeah, nothing happened the way we wanted to or nothing yeah. was planned out. Um, what has Steve learned the most about himself in 2020? Yeah, there's one word that rises to the top for me, and it's, it's a word that has come up in our life group. It's, it's a word that comes up you know, in James 1 when it talks about patience. Uh, patience, because as a driver, as a type A personality, you, you much of your success comes from your drive. Mm -hmm. um, this has been a reminder of lessons I've had to learn in different seasons of my life where there will be times in life where the success that came from your driving will no longer no longer get fruit. It won't yeah. no longer come. And and there's anxiety that comes from that because Anxiety comes when you can't control something. Mm -hmm. You can't control the outcome. You can't control a business. You can't control somebody's reaction. And so that, that anxiety comes up. And so I think for me, I, I, I'm sometimes driven by frustration. And so I've had to learn patience. 2020. Patience. patience huh? It's just about like, you know, it's an asterisk year. It's like a Barry Bonds year, yeah, bro. I got like three asterisks for the one for every month, probably. Yeah. Uh, so I know we've talked a lot about your upbringing and you know your career. I know off record, me and you talk a lot about mental health and about mm -hmm. you know family dynamics and just you know all those things that come along with it. What does Steve do to take care of his mental health? What does Steve do to take care of himself away from the hyperactive, career focused? ideas yeah I, I mean I I have to be careful that even in in the realm of self-care I can be hyper diligent too yeah of course it's just our nature right uh, you know there there are so I go through seasons where I'm really good at self-care but then it results in me being exhausted because I'm so focused on self-care yeah I mean there was back in August I was very vigilant about getting up in the morning spending time in prayer journaling, planning out my day in the morning, uh, and even doing exercise. Um, so those are the three things that I would generally do to keep myself, but I, 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 I just go too hard. And so I get sometimes get burned out taking you go, you care go, of myself. You go hard in the mental health yeah. sphere? I, yeah. Because I have to be, sometimes it takes such a disciplined effort a to do work. that. It's work, yeah. Uh, so I, I haven't figured it out necessarily. Like, how do I cool my jets as I'm trying to uh, take care of myself? I mean, that's 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 a lifelong lesson. I mean, my dad, uh, I, 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 there were he's I've always been this way, and I'm always filling up my calendar. I'm always emptying my energy bucket, and then when I realize it because something happens, I say, okay, I gotta I gotta 
I got to empty my calendar a bit, you know, drop two or three things here just to create some margin. And my dad says, leave the margin. Don't fill the margin back up yeah. just because you took time to, to rest. And that's, that's my, my, my problem. So even my self-care can be hyper diligent. And so I, I'm trying to figure it out. You're working through it, right? Yeah. How has, a, how has your family kept you grounded? Yeah, uh, so I remember one time, and I've mentioned this, I've talked about this before, uh, being you know on the road, flying everywhere, having dinners with people, having you know, you know, giving talks or giving workshops or trying to close business, you know, I love that stuff. You know, yeah. there's just something about that that is that is frankly, it's fun. It's 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 tiring. It's grueling. It's not always, uh, you know, sometimes it's a grind. Um, but at one time, I, f I found myself on my couch on a Saturday morning missing the grind. Wow. And I was so frustrated because I was doing nothing. Wow. And I, I was like, man, I'm not having a coffee with somebody. I'm not having <laughs> doing this. I'm not. And then, and then, and then it's like something told me, bro, just turn your head to the left. And there was my son. My son, who was there just like I had been gone for most of the week, and my son was there, and I'm like, what do you mean there's nobody here? Yeah. Like, my son is here, and I felt so convicted, and I, and I apologized to him, and I said, you know, I'm sorry that we're not having this fun day, that we're not off going to do something. And he says, Dad, I'm just glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, even in my type A personality, I sometimes think that I've got to do these grandiose things to wow my son or my sons. And sometimes it's just about, you know, my dad was home. They just want you to be present, right? Yeah. That's so hard for people that are hyper productive or hyper, to your point, filling up the calendar. You know, I even look at my daughters and I'm like, you know, a lot of times I'm on my phone and they're, you know, they're, you know they're, they're coming of age right now, and they're like, Daddy's home. And I'm like, dude, that's so dope. And Zoe's already going to be five. Like, yeah. And I'm like, that just a flash, you know, like yeah. a flash. So, you know, I, I can understand the, the struggle of being present, but the vitalness of being present. Yeah. Um, because they don't, I mean, our kids don't care what we do. You yeah. Know? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a matter of whether or not we were with them and we spent time. There's, you know, I, I think I think there's a there's a culture that we can buy into that we have to take all the trips that we have to take them here and there. And those are, you know, good. But I think I, I think that's just baggage to what's really important. Yeah, we can still do those things if we remember what's really important. Um, there's nothing wrong with those. I wish I could do more of that. Yeah. Um, but when we when we dismiss the power of just being present and, and just noticing them and being off our phone um yeah yeah the, the good old media just get it get chuck that thing you know sometimes you know our kids need us right um in closing i'm gonna ask this i asked all our guests this question but what is the one piece of life advice that you would give our listeners, our viewers? You know, Steve Shaparo had one opportunity. What would be that life advice? 
that life advice? That's a good question. Um, I, I, so it comes down to this. So I used to do marathons. Yeah. I used to. <laughs> Not so much anymore. But uh, I used to produce marathons, so that makes two of us. <laughs> okay. So I remember the first time I started training for a marathon. Um, it's 26.2 miles, and I did my first training run on my own around the block, around the neighborhood. And I was, I felt, I had my ear pods on, and you know, between songs, I sounded like Darth Vader because I was breathing so hard. And I thought, man, that was a good run. Like that got to be two, three miles. So I clocked it with my car. It was like barely over a mile. I was like, dude, I got to do 26.2 of these. And I remember someone asked the question is like, how do you run a marathon? One step at a time. So I think it's think big, but start small. Yeah. And it just like, you can have big goals, but just know that it's, it's just take one step at a time. It doesn't matter when you finish. It doesn't matter how fast you finish. It's just a matter. It just matters that you finish. Yeah. And so I just 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 take life one day at a time. Seriously, in 2020, one day at a time. There have been some really hard seasons in my life that I had to take not just one day at a time. Sometimes it's one hour at a time. So whatever that step means to you, just take it one step at a time. That's beautiful advice, man. I. I... I take that. You, you've, ex, you've expressed that to me probably twice in the last week. <laughs> You're like, Bob, stay, you know, one step at a time, homie. Um, so I, I appreciate that. And, you know, our listeners and viewers, I'm sure that they would appreciate that. And you guys need to take that negative advice and, you know, put it on a notepad or on your refrigerator or something, your, your notes in your phone. But definitely take that, you know, piece of advice. Steve, where can people find you? Where, where, where can people find you? I know you got a couple of platforms that you do some things on. Where can people find Steve Chaparro? Yeah, so the, my website is stevechaparro.co. And then on all the socials, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, it's at Steve Chaparro Co. Also, do you got anything you would like to plug? Anything that you got upcoming or something that... Yeah, so I've got uh, some, some business coaching that I do. And so I offer uh, about twice a month. I do uh, these free two-hour webinars for entrepreneurs that are looking to grow and scale their businesses. So if you go to businessgrowthcoach.co slash webinar. Can you do that one more time? <laughs> slash webinar. Um, there, you, can, you can sign up for one. Uh, I've got those uh, a couple of times a month. And so I'd love for people to head over there because that's some really good, solid stuff for people that are looking to, to do that type of work. Awesome. I mean, you have our support. We're here at the Gray LB Studios. Um, guys, Steve Shaparo, an amazing individual, a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of wisdom um, that is few and far between to come by. So, again, let's give it up for our guest, Steve Shaparo. Thank you again. Appreciate it, man. Um, Thank we you. appreciate having you here. You are now rocking with the Now or Never podcast. Support, hit the subscribe button. Peace and blessings. Peace.